It's always angelic as Bialis, but different, not less. Just a disclaimer, on Always Angelic Aspialis, we use our lived experience to inform our content. This means we're not counsellors, therapists or the like. However, we really do find reality and a lot of understanding through using our lived experience. Really hope you enjoy this kind of lived experience content. Thank you. Hi. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. How's your um, week? been so far yeah good um I got really sick actually about five days ago and now my throat is so sore oh gosh that sounds horrible I know um but it's okay I've been getting better um if I don't talk as much it's okay um yeah I've been having a lot of tea but just trying not to kind of do anything to aggravate it um but yeah what about you how how have you been um yeah I've been quite good so far yeah I'm doing really well um, that's good yeah I'll be going to work tomorrow and yeah there's a new person starting so and a lot of my oh. team is down in Sydney at the moment oh wow <clears throat> yeah so it will be a big week this week yeah I'm sure it will be yeah that sounds really cool yeah it is I'm excited for this week yeah that's really good um well, in my week, I'm not really doing anything because I'm actually on school holidays from playgroup. Oh, right. Wow, really? Yeah, for about um, two and a half weeks, and I start up on the 9th of um, October. Oh, wow, that's a nice long break. I know, it's so long. Maybe I won't even go back. <laughs> what are you going to do with your time off? Yeah, um, I'm just trying to get a schedule done for content creation, and in the meantime, I'm looking for a job in a autistic preschool program or a autistic um, preschool. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, I found a really good place that potentially has what I'm looking for, so I'm going to inquire tomorrow and hopefully I can get a job there um, because I really want to get into that niche because I already work in um, autism a little bit but not in the um, niche I want to go into. Oh, okay. I think you'll be really good at working in like autism child cares and autism friendly child cares I think that would be really cool yeah thank you thanks um yeah but um a bit nervous actually because it's been a while since I've worked in that environment but um I've actually never worked in preschool at all yeah I think um is pre preschool's different to early childhood preschool's like what age is it like three or four oh, to yeah six? yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's, cool. yeah, yeah, it is, it is, and um, it's about from about two and a half years to three, depending on what age a preschool child is, because it depends on the service and the setting. Um, yeah, and it's usually up until five or six. Six is usually the maximum age in Australia, but yeah, I'm really excited. Um, a bit nervous, but more um, I'm a lot more comfortable in like early childhood, just generally, because I know a lot about it since I've been in and out of it. Um. And especially because of my work in, like, disability and autism, that should really, really help. But, yeah, um, I'm going to start the introduction of, like, today's topic. So is that okay? Yeah, that's okay. Great. So on today's topic, I'll be talking about anything to do with early childhood, our early childhood memories, early childhood uh, experiences that we had when we were younger, like maybe we went to a long daycare or preschool, maybe what that was like. And as well, we'll be talking about... um 
early childhood, what it means to be working in a service or our experience if we have any. And as well, I actually forgot to do this at the beginning, but I wanted to do introductions. So I'm Susanna from Always and Delic Espialis. This is my podcast. This is um, season three, episode seven. So we're actually a bit more than halfway through of this season and I have a very um, special guest star who's Charlotte. Yeah. Hi, my name is Charlotte. Um, I have a YouTube channel called Charlotte Ward. So I do like daily vlogs or weekly vlogs or sometimes I do um, um, sit down videos or maybe funny skit videos. So yeah, that's my introduction. Yeah, that's really good. And um, actually, I've seen your channel before. Um, some of your stuff is really, really good. Oh, okay. That's good. <laughs> I always never good. know how to introduce my YouTube channel, but that's good. No, you did a good job. Yeah, and let's get started. So what we wanted to first talk about, and now I'll just ask you a question, so maybe if you want, you can, like, hand them back to me so I get to um, answer them too. We're going to ask, um, yeah, a bunch of questions. So, Charlotte, what has been your experience, um, your positive experiences as a child? Like, do you have any um, early childhood job experiences, maybe up to the age of five or six, or maybe even seven or eight, um, because um, technically early childhood can go up to the age of eight, depending on um, the person or, like, depending on, like, what system you grew up in. Um, so do you have anything positive you want to share? Um, yeah, I remember going to daycare and I remember um, – I met um, my best friend in daycare that only lasted in daycare there because we lost touch. But I remember she had a younger sister and I wanted a younger sister at that time, but I didn't have a younger sister um, or any younger siblings at that time. So um, I'd tell her that I had a younger sister and I would copy her all the time and tell her that I was having pizza for dinner and got really upset if my parents said we weren't having pizza for dinner and... Yeah, I, I like childcare. It was fun. And That's I good. Playing in the sand pit and yeah, like I just yeah, I remember some bits of daycare, but not a lot. But, yeah, that's, yeah, that's really good. That's similar to me. Um, I used to go in the sand pit a lot. I went to two long daycares. Um, one was really close near me, and the other one was a bit further away. Um. And I went there for a couple of years total um, combined. And I remember a lot of it, actually. I remember going in the sand pit. I remember making um, own stews and having to help um, the educator with pouring it into a cup. And I remember the beds were really uncomfortable. Like, you know the plastic ones? Like, did you ever use the plastic ones that are blue? I actually don't remember nap time, I don't think, that much. But I remember having nap time in kindergarten. I remember we had, like, our own little, like, um, mats which were very um, comfortable at the time to sleep on. Oh, that's so good because when I went in kindergarten, I actually didn't have any um, prescribed nap times. I think maybe in year one or year two, if you're really tired, the teacher would let us like be on the floor for about 10 or 15 minutes and we close our eyes. Like, I remember that really well, but I don't remember like an actual set time for naps um, in kindergarten. Yeah, we had naps in the afternoon session so from two till three. Oh wow so was your nap one hour um yeah well we basically lay down and if we fell asleep then we fell asleep and if we were just laying there just you know we'd be told a story so we'd listen to the story oh wow yeah 
So did you like having nap times? Um, From what I remember, um, from like both, yeah, preschool and um, including year one, year two. Yeah, I really did. Um, But honestly, a lot of the time I couldn't fall asleep. I think I was a really anxious sleeper. (laughs) I don't really, um, I think... I think I'd sometimes fall asleep when I was in kindergarten, but not that often. But mm-hmm. I think I remember seeing other people fall asleep and you'd have to drag their mattresses to the side and oh, reset up the room before the parents came. So, yeah, I remember thinking that's really cool to be um, asleep. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, what's... What's the, what's your favourite memory of kindergarten? Kindergarten, honestly. Um, probably snack time, break time, home time, and maybe getting dress time. I, I don't actually think I liked school that much. I don't think I, – I think it depends on the person that you are. Some people like school and some people just hate school and never want to go to school. Yeah, I actually I used to pretend I used to like school in primary school. Didn't realize it was a lot of masking. Um, but yeah, a total in total, I didn't really like the thirteen years of school. It was very prescribed, just in the system I grew up in. But um, I would have much preferred to have either moved schools or have um, be homeschooled or a combination of a bit of both. Yeah, I think that um, going to a different alternative school helped helps because like the learning is based on your own timing and based on your own um interests as well which is cool yeah that's really good because um yeah in the system I grew up in I actually didn't really have much of my own conscious of my own thoughts it was more just do what the teacher says and I know it sounds really bad like I think discipline can be really good in some contexts but by the end of year five year six maybe even year four I kind of started losing Side of who I was and doubting my own thoughts and my own feelings and not really forming my own opinions. Like I was so set on pleasing others. It was a really, really big um, time of just trying to please everybody. That sounds really difficult. It was, yeah. And I'm trying to keep this podcast uplifting and positive, but sometimes experience is just negative or neutral, but I think that's okay as well. Yeah. Um, I think it's okay to be raw and real because otherwise – you know, people think that you're just happy all the time and mm-hmm. when sometimes you're not. Exactly, yeah. And I really think it's good to be raw and real and yourself. And especially on this podcast, I try and do that and I try and encourage my guest stars to do that as well. Yeah, and I think you're able to connect with your audience more if you're real. Exactly, yeah. And I really try and make the, like, experiences relatable or in some way just, like really common because like if it's a very like unusual circumstance like it's it's very um a very rare thing to happen maybe like a lot of people won't even like like experience it themselves yeah exactly and I think it's fun to like give advice and help people exactly yeah and um I try not to give like specific advice on this channel or even just like any advice really I just try and um give my own experiences and maybe strategies that help and if they end up helping other people then that's great but I'm not um yeah not one of those people to give to give out advice like unsolicited like I'm not like you know I'm not the kind of like um podcast host or anything yeah I think it's 
important to talk about experiences rather than just give mm. advice, just talk about your experience. Mm, exactly, yeah. And I also want to go into our next really interesting question, which is, um, sorry, I can't just say um too much. Charlotte, what is your perception or your opinion about um, early childhood education and care? Like, what do you think about it? What do you know about it? Um, do you think it can be um, something that could be um, more respected or what What do you? What are your thoughts about all that? Um, I think in some aspects, I think that um, early childhood is, the early childhood industry is very good. And I think mm-hmm. the educators are taught very well, but in other aspects, I think they need to be taught about autism and meltdowns and just mm-hmm. I think they need to be a lot more neurodivergent friendly. Yeah, that's really interesting because um throughout my time working in many different um settings, I really noticed that, yeah, when I worked with um like uh autistic children, often the educators around me didn't know what to do and um found it was really common for um some educators to just get really frustrated and to, be, and to either act like a child or to just behave in a very uh, irrational way or very, um, like, almost scary way because they didn't know what to do. Maybe they were just burnt out as well. Yeah, exactly. I think, um, yeah, I think educators need to be taught more about um, how autistic children behave because then maybe more autistic children might have a better experience with schooling in general. Yeah, I really think that's the case. Um, And I have come across a couple of really good courses and trainings that happen, but I feel like um, the autistic area is really um, underrepresented. So underrepresented and it's not very well known. um, And I'm really happy there are some trainings that people can do even for parents. Um, But yeah, I just really wish wish that... um, yeah, areas like these were more funded by the government and just funded just by any organisation that can help because um, autism and other areas, maybe even disabilities just generally and neurodiversity, can really benefit from more education and more um, uh, like acceptance, but especially like acceptance, I think that's a really big one. Yeah, I think acceptance is the biggest one because a lot of, autistic children report are not being accepted yeah exactly yeah and um I really think that like education can go hand in hand with acceptance but I think if there's like a genuine level of acceptance and just accepting people for who they are for their differences for their individual strengths that I really think that makes a really big difference yeah I totally agree 100 percent yeah and and like I'm just trying to yeah get up the questions that we had before. Um, okay, sorry, I'm just a little bit disorganized right now, but it's it's okay to be honest about that. So yes, so Charlotte, what would you like to see in the early childhood industry from what you know, or maybe from what you've heard? Um, I think more education and training on how to deal with autistic children yeah exactly what would you like to see um Mm. in more childhood settings from what you've heard or what you've seen yeah so I would say um along with like just more specialized knowledge 
about um, autism, neurodiversity, disability, additional needs, I really think that like nannies and uh, in-home care educators and all pairs and just other professionals can really help in an early childhood setting. And often they may be missed or maybe they're not really well known, but I really do think other professionals, maybe ones that aren't as well known as the educators working in a traditional setting, like these are, um, these other professionals can really help as well. Yeah, I definitely think so. I definitely think that au pairs and nannies sometimes are more equipped to dealing with it because they're working one-on-one with the child. Yeah, exactly. And I really think even in a setting, um, a lot of children do benefit from one-on-one or even just really small groups, maybe a group of maybe three children, four children, two children. Yeah, I think that really benefits children because then they um, get to know the staff member or the worker well and the worker gets to know the children a lot more. Yeah, and... um, I really, yeah, I really think that like children learn better and just I think maybe people generally might just learn better one-on-one because sometimes in a big group I've, from my own experience, I've um, come across being just really invisible or lost and if it's more one-on-one, you get more attention. Well, I get more attention in, in, in most cases, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you worked as a kind of a nanny with a child like years ago. How did you find that? Yeah. Uh, I found the industry good. It was the in-home care industry. Um, it's a bit similar to nannying. Uh, it technically, it was a form of nannying. I would say it was good, but it had its um, challenges, of course. Um, I would say it's very challenging. It can be rewarding. The money side was decent. Uh, the money side can be really good depending on how much you get paid and depending on like a lot of um, circumstances around it, maybe like how many children you're looking after, their additional needs, what are the requirements of the job. Uh, maybe other requirements that we might be a bit more specialised, like it might be a particular life event you're trying to support, like you might be supporting a family through a hard time or maybe some other event, but it can be really rewarding. Um, I can't really speak for nannying generally. It's more just in-home care, um, but it was good. I have been in and out of it for about, I think it was two and a half years. I would not go back into it. I, it's not a hard no, but I'm not... I'm not wanting to go back into that niche because it is a family home. It is very, at times it can be very um, hard. It can be very, uh, what's the word? It's um, sometimes you put in situations where you might not know what to do straight away, but you have to like think straight on what am I going to be doing in the situation? How can I help? But it was very, very good for me to kind of gain independence and certain skills I probably would not have gotten had I been working elsewhere. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think it's kind of tough sometimes working in that industry because you're alone and you don't really have other people to help you and bounce ideas off. But then again, it's cool and rewarding to um, work in that industry by yourself because you learn a lot about yourself and you learn a lot more skills than you would have if you're just working in an early child care. Yeah, exactly. Um, and there are a lot of benefits to the job and also other downfalls. Uh, I don't know what I've time to kind of speak about that in this particular podcast episode, but if people are interested, I can do a definite um, episode about that and go into a lot more detail. Um, but yeah, it was a really interesting experience. It's not something I never actually would have considered, um, but it was very eye-opening and it actually made me um, respect and recognise nannies and those professionals a lot more. And the ones that are trained, I had a lot more respect for because I was also trained 
as well. So I had like a similar understanding, but it was very, um, yeah, very eye-opening. Yeah. Um, I think that would have been very eye-opening for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And I've got a couple of final questions for you. What are your um, opinions about other diverse people working in early childhood? So not females, maybe um, males, transgender, um, people that might have come from different backgrounds. Do you think they should give uh, early childhood a go? Would you think it's a good idea for there to be more representation of different identities in early childhood as well? I think it would be a good idea to have different, um, you know, all different people, whether you're neurodivergent or like transgender or you identify as queer or they, them. I think it's cool to have that type of representation in early childhood. Mm-hmm. But it depends on what career you want to work in. If you want to work in that career, then I think it's great to study that career at TAFE or university. But if you want to do something completely different, then study what you're passionate about. Exactly, yeah. And I actually, um, yeah, like like you, um, took some time off after study and I ended up studying something completely different. Like I'm studying uh, marketing and communication at the moment and it's good, but I actually do have plans to go back into um, early childhood and do this degree after years and years of um, training. But um, it's it's funny how like in, in a way I kind of get everything I want or like a lot of things I want, it just comes out in abstract ways, but it's, it's good. I feel like everything in my life kind of does a full circle at some point. Yeah, I'm going to ask you the same question. What do you think? Mm-hmm having more um, representation in different backgrounds and diversity. What do you think about having that in childcare settings? Yeah, yeah. I really think in early childhood, um, any professionals um, that come from a diverse background can really add a lot of really unique skills and experiences. And just working with other people that aren't females is really good. I remember working... Uh, in my second prac and I was doing my certificate three at the time and I worked with a male educator. That was really good. Um, but often I don't come across male educators. I haven't actually come across any other educators um, that weren't um, female. Like the majority of them have been female. I wish I got some experience working with other um, professionals were that were like maybe Indigenous or maybe transgender, but I actually haven't come across that in my work yet. It would be interesting though. Um, not in Peggy by though, I haven't come across any uh, male educators or anybody else who's um, diverse, but I really would like, yeah, I really would encourage anybody who's interested to just give the studies a go and to give that industry a go because it can be good. But I think also if you find your niche or if you find uh, an area of interest that really excites you or makes you feel comfortable, then I think that's a definite um, really good area to go into. Yeah, I studied early childhood for a while or for about a year, but I I don't think it was my niche. I think working in administration is more my niche because I enjoy mm-hmm. that and it's easy and it can be repetitive, which I like, but also it can be quite different, which I also like. Yeah, and that's okay as well. It's also, yeah, okay to, yeah, do other things that are outside of what you studied. And with me, I did study, um like, the more traditional um qualifications like the recognized certificate three and the diploma and then I did like kind of off the side sidetracked a bit into like neurodiversity with like the undergraduate certificate and then the micro credential but 
I love it really, really is helpful. And the good thing is the majority of those trainings will actually be credits. So I won't have to do all that training all over again when I do the degree. Oh, that's good. I like how um, when you study something, I like how if you study something similar, like the some of the topics that you studied will carry over and you don't have to study as much. Yeah, because I do not want to be doing four years of full-time of study. Like two and a half years sounds really good to me. <laughs> yeah, two and a half years does sound good. Like not doing four and a half years. Yeah, exactly. And there was actually um, a university overseas where had I gotten into um, the course, like had I been um, given a, an offer, I would have to do the four years of the full-time course, the diploma and the degree. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I, If my training in Australia is not recognised, I don't want to go overseas and study from scratch. Like my training and my yeah qualifications should be recognised. But um, I'm luckily, luckily I found over the years a really good provider and I would be going with this provider and I'm just really happy that um, I found a good a good name and a good brand to go with in terms of study and it really suits me and the fact that I can do it part-time that's really really good as well because like the thing is not all universities um, do accept like part-time study and the also really good thing is this um, education provider they also offer um, recognition of pracs so I wouldn't have to do as many pracs I don't have to do my baby's pracs all over again I just do straight into the preschool prac and that's really good because um, my pracs should also be recognised as well Yeah I think that's um, I think I totally agree with that I don't know what I'd study if I went to university but I like how my job doesn't require me going to university or take yeah, and I think that's okay as well um, because sometimes it's just easy to kind of just have a job. You don't have to worry about studying, like, afterwards. Yeah, I think so as well. I definitely agree with you. Yeah, exactly, and that's okay. Um, and actually, I'm thinking of, do you want to do the quiz now? I've got a child development quiz, and I actually haven't looked at any of the questions, so do you want to, like, do it with me in real time together? Yeah. Great. I'll just um, get the website up. So it's by um, Stanford Children's Health. It's by Stanford Medicine. And I'm going to read out these questions and we can go through it together. And then at the end, maybe we can see what result we're going to be getting. Oh, okay. That sounds good. Okay. It says number one. When riding in a motor vehicle, how tall should a child be to sit in a regular seat and use an adult seatbelt instead of being strapped in a car seat? Safety seat or booster seat? There's four options. Three feet, five inches, four feet, four feet, nine inches, or five feet. I don't know what feet means. Should I look it up? Um, I think that's American. Yeah, it is. I'm just going to look up into Australian. Oh, okay, so five feet is 152 centimetres. Okay, I'm going to go with the larger option, five feet. Okay. I'll, t- I'll um, put that down as well. And then, yeah, option, sorry, um, it's going to give all the, all the results at the end, I think. So we'll just do all the questions now and then, like, I'll submit it and then we'll see what result we're going to get. Okay. Okay, number two is, for which of these should you call your doctor instead of trying in-home treatment? A, diarrhea, B, head trauma, C, nosebleeds, D, A, and C. A, what's A and C? 
Um, A and C is A, diarrhea, and C, nose beads. Oh, I was going to say um, head trauma. Okay. Yeah, I'll say um, head trauma. Okay, I'll say, yeah, um, B. And then... Yes, yeah, so um, hi everybody, back from our break. We had a bit of um, some technical difficulties, but we're all good. Yes, we are all good. We did have some technical difficulties, but we're back and we're continuing on with the podcast. Yes, and we're on the very um, last stages of the podcast. We have about four or five minutes left, so we just want to do a bit of a wrap-up. So, um Charlotte, do you anything? Sorry, do you have any uh, final thoughts about today's topic? Anything you, else you want to share? Um, I think I learned a lot from today's topic. You know, despite the fact I did do cert three in early childhood, I think I did learn a lot from today's episode, and I think it was fun hearing your thoughts and my thoughts, and just mm. it was a fun topic. Yeah, thanks. It was. And I learned a lot from your experiences because I've heard of some of your experiences before, but I really like how you um, extended on what you said previously. And I just found it really um, enlightening. Yeah, I found your thoughts very enlightening and very interesting because you've got so much experience in the early childhood sector. So it was very interesting hearing somebody who's a professional. Yeah, thank you. And yeah, so that's the end of our podcast. So we're just going to do the outro now. Um, thank you so much for listening and for um, joining us on the special episode. It's not going to be a bonus episode. It's just going to be a normal one. But thank you so much for listening. So this is Susanna from Always Enjoy Gaspialis. Remember to be different, not less, and to embrace who you are. And I also had a very special guest star, Charlotte, on. Yes, this is Charlotte from Charlotte Ward YouTube channel. If you want to go subscribe, please do. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. thank you for listening, and hopefully I'll be on a podcast soon. Podcast episode Yes, definitely, and I really do recommend her channel. It's really good. It's better than mine. <laughs> I like her channel, though. Thank you. It is a niche, but um, I also like yours because it's just it's very, very broad, and it covers a lot of content. Um, but, yeah, thank you so much for listening to both of us, and we'll see you again next time. Thank Bye for you. now. Bye. Bye. EXO, always angelic as